the glory days are here to stay the 80s horror show take a stroll down memory slate it's time to start the show the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies and happy Halloween. If you're listening to this when it releases, it is uh, Thursday, October 31st, All Hallows Eve itself, the day of ghouls and bones dancing and bursting out of skin and sinews wrapping around necks and eyes bursting out of skulls and fingers twisting into impossible shapes and witches cackling ghosts booing uh wolves howling it's halloween Ah, and I'm talking about American Horror Story. Just a moment ago, American Horror Story finished, well, last night. (laughs) Just a moment ago for me, last night for all of you on this uh, Halloween. American Horror Story Episode 7, The Lady in White. Uh, Happened just a moment ago. (laughs) Oh my god, happened last night. Anyway, let's just get to it with my first segment. What the hell just happened? So, some huge revelations this episode, not just for the identity of the woman in white, whose name, first name, we never get, but uh, anyway, the uh, first big thing we learn is that Benjamin Richter, a.k.a. Mr. Jingles, originally went to this camp in 1948, so not... 1970, and also not 1984, although it is, you know, 48, 84, that is interesting, but Camp Golden Star was what this place was originally called, not Camp Redwood, but Camp Golden Star, where a very young Benjamin Richter and his uh, brother, Bobby, yeah, Bobby, (laughs) uh, were under the care of their mother, whose name we never learned, but is played played by Lily Rabe. I recognize from past seasons of American Horror Story. I don't know which ones, um, because I, as listeners of the show know, I have not really watched any season of American Horror Story up until this season. So why does that make me an authority to talk about this? Because I say so, because I have a, a podcast about 80s horror movies. Anyway, Bobby dies, and he doesn't just die. He goes swimming without Benji because he's watching the lifeguard get some head big time. Uh, and his brother, Bobby, gets blended. He gets blended by a motorboat. And I should I was talking about this. I should have like an alarm or something for, for when this happens. Just something that goes, Ooga, child death. Ooga. <laughs> Cause because it happens so seldomly, but when it does, it hits hard for obvious reasons. But oh man, this kid is dead. <laughs> And the mom shows up, and she's distraught, and Lily Rabe does such a good performance. You can see all the other co-stars are just kind of, like, watching her, just like we are in the audience, watching her just, like, 
fall apart and spit blame on everyone around her who who is r- rightfully so everyone around there is to blame specifically the lifeguard um and frankly if he had been doing his job it's it's a long-winded uh illusion homage what what have you to Pamela Voorhees the mother of Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th series as many fans are uh want to tell you and as is referenced in Scream the first killer in the original Friday the 13th was not in fact Jason it was Pamela Voorhees taking revenge on the camp counselors who were being negligent that night that led to Jason's death so this feels pretty part and parcel with the uh, 80s the 1984 aesthetic it's ironic though that this is uh 1948 then we flash back or forward rather to 1989 where donna has brooke in a motel room and we get this montage of her getting like rehabilitated and gaining uh, a brooke getting rehabilitated and donna uh trying to get brooke uh to uh, trying to gain her trust and one day, Brooke, like, gets free of her, uh, she's not bound, but anyway, she we learn that Donna wants to go to heaven, because she knows hell's real after seeing uh, the Night Stalker resurrect himself, so she's just trying to do right by herself to get to heaven, but uh, I guess doing good deeds for selfish reasons are still good in the end? I don't know, there's a whole philosophy debate there. But Donna also reveals to Brooke the concert, the festival that's happening at Camp Redwood, and Brooke delivers this awesome monologue about the 80s was morning in America, and I spent my morning in lockup because of this lying bitch, Margaret. And then they go to the roller rink for a ladies' night at the roller rink, uh, or I guess ladies' day, because it's here that they catch the attention of a mysterious man by the name of Bruce, uh, who in treats them he 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 basically like tricks them into giving not tricks them he charms them into giving him a ride to his girlfriends he says uh anyway i'm sure you guessed it he's a serial killer uh the cops pull him over the the a cop pulls them over he kills the cop they drive off and we f- go back to camp redwood where there's a Mr. Jingles copycat, the copycat Mr. Jingles from before. So Mr. Jingles arrives here at Camp Redwood again, uh, and the other copycat Jingles pounce on him because they're all ghosts. They, he says, I'm dead in these woods. I'm not the only one. And they drag him off to what, I've, what I'm calling the Council of the Dead, <laughs> which is all of our main cast that's dead, Margaret, Xavier, Ray, Chet, uh, I'm sorry, um, Montana, Xavier, Ray, Chet, uh, a gaggle of copycat kill uh, jingles killers and uh, just some random assorted counselors throughout the ages. Because what we learn here, well, first we learn what it's like to be a ghost and it doesn't sound that bad, especially the way Montana and Xavier explain it. They spent the first few months wandering around, but time's different for them, so years went by like minutes, and yet they were like killing people on and off during that time, which is unclear, I don't know. But Montana has a funny line about having a constant feeling of emptiness. Uh, and uh, like loneliness, but that's what she experienced when she was living, and now she still feels pain, but she also feels pleasure, so being a ghost here uh, is pretty interesting, and so here we finally get some kind of uh, explanation. I theorized, I'll get to this in Theory Canal again, but I theorized that Satan had something to do with the ghosts coming to uh, 
life, I don't know what else to call it, in uh, Camp Redwood, but... What Benji, what uh, Benjamin Richter, Mr. Jingles deduces here is that it's his mom. That they're, because they say, you think we're alone in these woods? There's someone else, a woman, the woman in white, the titular woman in white. It's Jingles' mom. And he explains that 1970 wasn't the first massacre. Uh, so we, you know, see Camp Golden Star, the Camp Golden Star massacre, I'm calling it, because uh, after Bobby died, Benjamin and uh, Benjamin Richter and his mom didn't leave. They stayed there. And one night, Benjamin's mom stabbed a whole cabin full. This is starting to sound familiar, isn't it? It's 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 exactly what happened in 1970. But it happened in 1948. And Benjamin, as a little boy, Benjamin Richter managed to kill his mom out of self-defense. She was going to kill him. This this really scary. I don't know. You don't call it like. It's infanticide, I guess, even if they're not a kid or if they're not an infant. But, uh, yeah, she almost kills him. She wants to kill him, and he stabs her in self-defense. And her blood, her blood seeped into the ground with all of her pain and all of her rage. And that's what caused the curse, the blood curse of Camp Redwood, a.k.a. Uh, Camp Golden Star. Uh, and, and so that's our best answer for what's going on here. It seems like the show's setting it up and really leaning into it that this is the answer, that it's the curse of the blood curse of Camp Redwood is a result of the angry, painful, rage uh, filled blood that seeped into the camp uh, the night that Benji killed his mom in self-defense. We also learned that Montana's plan was to wait to not kill anybody until the festival, and then they would go nuts, and hopefully that would be enough press to bring all kinds of uh, paranormal investigators and occult and things to, uh, she thinks statistically someone will be able to figure out how to free us from this curse over however long it takes. We'll be here. It's not a bad idea, uh, but now they have a better I mean, they're probably still going to try that. It seems like they're leading up to an awesome finale where they're just slaughtering everybody at the festival. Um, looking forward to that for sure. But it feels like we have an actual answer for uh, our curse and maybe even a solution if we look closely enough. <laughs> like the show is hiding anything. It gives us everything like at face value. It's, it's, it's great in that way. And it's a show. So Xavier takes uh, Mr. Jingles to where, I guess, her lair. Like, she has a little cabin set up because they're, they're not ghosts. Like, they, they, they have to be somewhere. So it makes sense for her to set up a little cabin with knickknacks and specifically, like, the little ball-in-a-cup game, game that uh, Bobby liked. And uh, she's there. Of course she's there. And uh, living Benjamin Richter talks with his ghost mom. And she's so mean to him. She's so mean. Uh, I mean, anyway, that's 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 the most important thing right now. This, I mean, that's an important that's an important thing. The most important thing is that Benjamin's mom was uh, on the campground since 1948, looking for her son, looking for Bobby, and hasn't found him. And she just floats around. And once, when Benji cut his thumb on accident back in, I think it was episode four uh, or five, making a bear totem for Margaret when they were younger in 1970, that blood attracted uh, his mother's spirit to that moment. And her being an absolute 
Monster? I mean, of course she's a monster. She's a... But she's bereaved. She's a grieving mother. Anyway, she whispered, (laughs) as you do, into Margaret Booth's ear the night that Margaret Booth committed the 1970s slaughter in the name of Mr. Jingles. So... Think about that what you will. I'll, I'll tell you what I think about it later when I get to uh, Mystery LLC, but that's a fact. He, she, Margaret Booth, did not commit those murders of her own volition. She was pushed. Well, she says, uh, she says the girl was already wrong in the head. I just need to give her a little push. Wrong in the head. Oh, boy. After Joker, we're still getting mm, this kind of message going. But yeah, it was Mrs. Jingles. I think I'll start calling her. Mrs. Jingles is the one that poisoned Margaret Booth and turned her into a serial killer. For She, she probably stood a chance. She probably could have got some... Well, God, in that day and age, who knows if she could have got some mental health treatment. But it doesn't matter now. She's a lost cause. She's a serial killer. Think what you will about serial killers being rehabilitated back into society, notwithstanding. Anyway... We get some more dialogue proving further that she's an absolute monster and, well, that she hates her son, at least. She hates her other son. And uh, I feel like that's what's good about the writing is there's there's an argument to make that she she deserves to feel. She deserves to be really unhappy. But obviously she she has no right to ruin her other son's life to act on that on that pain that she's, she's holding on to. But. Obviously, she's a ghost, so to hold her to mortal standards is already moot. Uh, Anyway, Donna and Brooke are on the road, and they get rear-ended by Bruce. Bruce took the cop car from the cop that he killed and rear-ends them so hard. I thought that was a crazy moment. And uh, he shoots the other driver that gets out and kidnaps them. He's tied Donna to the bumper of the car, and she's on the street a few like feet or a yard back or a few yards back, distance, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he's telling her, you got two choices. Hit the gas or I can shoot you in the face and drive it myself. And she outsmarts him. She reverses. And he slams his face into the dashboard. He tries to fire, and she dodges. She, like, pushes the barrel away. She grabs his uh, sidearm and shoots him in the leg. And Dawn has got the rope around his neck, and she's like, I'm going to choke this bitch. And he's like, uh, and Brooke says, you don't want to do that. Trust me. Well, we can't let him get away with this. And she said, who said anything about that? Uh, then we cut back to Margaret Booth and Trevor. This is the only time they're in this episode, uh, episode and Margaret Booth, there's kind of like a loose, there, there's kind of like a throwaway line of, uh, we don't have enough food or water for people. And she says, I'll just give them a slice of white bread and uh, a glass of water or something. And how people are paying a thousand dollars a head, but there's no food or water. It, uh, rings very familiar of a fire festival, but Trevor sees Montana who vanishes because she's a ghost and she can do that. So he follows her entranced and in the tall grass, uh, they meet and they kiss and uh, they're they're reunited again because I guess, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, I don't care. I forgot what I was missing until I saw you. Good for Trevor. He deserves to be happy. He deserves to get uh, whatever he wants. He did nothing wrong. We cut back to Donna and Brooke. They've tied up Bruce and cut off his thumbs in a crib. Such a good visual effect of those thumbs getting cut off. Oh, man. But they leave him there. They leave him tied up. And I I would say they leave him for dead. But come on. 
it's it i don't i can't rem- i i recognize the actor but with that damn mustache it's hard for me to place him and i can't remember can't quite place who that is if you know please uh let me know at the gory days on uh twitter or instagram because it's driving me crazy and i don't know how else to look him up um but they they leave him there for dead and he's definitely gonna come back but Brooke and Donna, they, they basically decide, okay, no, we're going to see this together to the end. So they're off on their way to the festival at Camp Redwood. We go to the Camp Redwood uh, backstage where earlier of uh, the bus that obscured the vision of uh, Montana uh, from Trevor was a tour bus for Kasha Gugu, the band that had the one the one hit wonder literally one of these one hit wonder bands there's so many in the soundtrack for this season uh that did the song too shy which i i'd heard the song i'm familiar like if you heard it but uh i definitely did not recognize kasha gugu and i think that's kind of the joke is that like oh i mean billy idol is obviously the headliner but it was uh the night stalker said it earlier like these other ones are chumps Billy Idol's the only name on here that's recognized. So, shots fired at Kajaguku Estate, or uh, if he's still alive, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to assume he's no longer with us. But it's pretty funny. They 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 uh, imply that he signed a deal with the devil, assumedly, to become an amazing like singer uh, sensation. He also did the, the theme song to Never Ending Story, for those of you, uh, another 80s property. He, he's the one that did Never Ending Story. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that was him. <laughs> and uh, as I said, too shy. The Night Stalker shows up and tells him, when you sign a deal with the devil, you better read the fine print. And he slits his throat. And he kills the entire bus. The Night Stalker kills the whole bus of like his band and uh, his roadies and his manager and everybody. Everybody's dead. And poor uh, Courtney, Mar- Margaret Booth's assistant, is the one that finds them and, and screams. Uh, he's so funny. And then the final scene is at the lake. Benji's sitting on the dock thinking about Bobby and he reveals well earlier he revealed that he had a son here he reveals that he named his son after bobby and that like moves mrs jingles uh so much that she it's really weird something about it makes me not want to trust her even still but first she says you should go home be with your son and it's like oh wow okay you went from you're going to torture me for eternity to go home and be with your son because I named him Bobby. I mean, it's nice. It, it just feels like that's a whole episode worth of uh, development that they do in four lines in two scenes. Um, but she kneels down next to him and explains, you made a deal with the devil and the Night Stalker's here to collect. If you die by his hand, he'll make sure you don't come back. But if you die by your own, you'll come back forever. If you really want to protect your son, you'll do what has to be done. And she blinks out of there. And he says, Bobby, I know you're out there. If you can hear me, I'm sorry. And I won't curse you, son, the way. I I won't curse my son the way. Wait, what did I write here? And I won't curse my son the way I cursed you. (laughs) That's what I wrote down, but that can't be it. Anyway, he stabs himself. And it's one of those TV stabs where (laughs) it's done in the gut and he keels over and he's dead like within like seconds and i guess the ghost process is instantaneous because then poof he's a ghost and he pulls the knife out of himself and cuts a black 
And that's the episode of American Horror of American Horror Story last night. The woman in white who turned out to be Mrs. Jingles. So, of course, I'm going to move on to my next category. Or next category, my next segment, which is Mystery LLC. This is the segment where I ask my questions for this episode, as well as find out if I got any answers from previous questions from previous episodes. Let's start off with that second part. I had the question of how does Mr. Jingles' revived by Satan status affect his baby son? Uh, that's not really applicable, because apparently Mr. Jingles' revived by Satan status is not a badge that you wear. It's not a status. It's... You're alive or you're dead. Whether Satan brought you back or not, and whether you're, like, tethered to him is kind of just, like, on the honor system. So when I thought that he was somehow intrinsically tied to Satan's bidding by being brought back to life uh, by the Night Stalker's hand, that wasn't the truth. In fact, or that wasn't necessarily the, the case. Instead, he can just be alive and live a full happy life, even if uh, Satan took... Uh, brought his soul back from uh, the dead. Pretty cool. So that answers that question. I had another question of how many total ghosts are at Camp Redwood. And I have a feel. I mean, we're, we've seen more in the Council of the Dead, but that's that can't be enough. If people have been turning into ghosts since the first blood curse in 1948, now we're saying, I was thinking there would be a ton of ghosts when I thought the massacre happened in 1970. Now you're slapping 20 years worth of potential deaths that happened in that time. There's got to be more ghosts. I'm really looking forward to this finale uh, with all the ghosts running around killing everybody. It's, it's going to be amazing. We didn't get any more info on the Night Stalker's uh, girlfriend, or uh, what do you call them? The uh, jail. Uh, there was a show about them, about women, about people who had like mega crushes on the incarcerated. I can't remember, but she's one of them. We didn't get any more info on her, and we didn't get any more info on what Donna was doing uh, these last five years. Maybe I, I don't think we will at this point. Seems like we're uh, moving on. Now then, I don't have too many questions. It's it's that part of the show where they're starting to answer more questions than uh, raise them because we're down to the last, uh, I think, two more episodes or maybe one episode. Are we? Is next week the finale? Uh, I think next week might be the finale. This might be the penultimate episode. That said, my two of my questions revolve around this new character, Bruce. Number one, is Bruce an, uh, a real-life serial killer like the Night Stalker is? I guess it's kind of a weird question. It would, have to be, it would have to be taking place in this time period, and it would have to be in this uh, area wherever Donna and Brooke are uh, traveling. It would have to be in that window in real life, too. Uh, I tried looking up. I, I mean, there's 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 hitchhiking murderers all over the place. If you if you want to murder somebody, hitchhiking is a lucrative uh, place to start. That said, if you want to die, hitchhiking is also a good place to start. Hitchhiking is incredibly dangerous. People are not interesting enough. There is no interesting person. There's no amount of experience one could gain to warrant hitchhiking in my opinion it's just it's dead it's a death witch it's a death witch you are guaranteeing death 
And so in this scenario, when someone, when the hitchhiker is the killer, that's, that's when, that's when you can't trust anybody. Don't hitchhike. Anyone can be the killer. Everyone is the killer. It's Schrodinger's cat. Until they don't kill you, they could be a killer. (laughs) And that could take as long as them dying. Like for all I know, uh, oh God, I don't want to joke about it, but for all I know, my parents are killers. And until until I'm sure, until I watch them, until I'm like, mm, okay, all right, all right, they're gone. They were wonderful. They were definitely not killers. They sure didn't kill me <laughs> right up until the last moment. Otherwise, anyone you know could be a killer. I'm joking. Please, please do, do not take that seriously. No one you know is a killer. You're totally safe. The people that love you are not going to hurt you. But happy Halloween. Number two, why didn't Brooke and Donna just kill Bruce? <laughs> Brooke's done it before. I don't think Donna has, but I'm, <sighs> we're obviously going to see Bruce come back. <laughs> and uh, maybe he'll just get like uh, eviscerated in more ways. That would be fun. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just kept sitting there. I was like, why? Why don't they just kill him? Why, don't they, why didn't she just let Donna choke him out? But I obviously they want to bring him back. He's he's too big a name. He's too big an actor. He's got those steely blue eyes. I wish I could remember his name. And then my third question isn't so much a question about uh, what happened, but why it happened. Why did they take Margaret Booth's agency away with Mrs. Jingles, aka the woman in white? Margaret Booth, you know, as as. Uh, I don't know what word to use, but as um, spiritual? No, no, that's not it. Because she's 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 nuts. It's a it's a bad thing to throw around the idea that like crazy people are always serial killers or always murderers. But uh, the writers made it true in this context that Margaret Booth is crazy. She's she's nuts. She's criminally insane. She is clinically and criminally insane. And that was interesting enough. But now to know that she was been she's been whispered into as a vehicle to get at uh, Benji's son, it just it it feels too late. It, once again, it feels it feels it feels too late. It feels too late to introduce a brand new character and try to tie all of the show's reasoning to a different character and and their. F- family that we never knew until this episode but it it, oh it shines light on everything else it's like i i don't know i don't know in a in a movie i'd have to imagine i mean it's a things are set up in the setup you can have twists and reveals later but ideally like all your characters have been introduced by within the first act. You're not introducing a new, completely unheard of, or at least referenced in the first act. There was no reference of of a brother of Mr. Jingles or of of a mother or anything. There's there's no reward. It's just a, a it's just it's just like eight curtains. There's eight curtains, and they pull one curtain, and you go, oh, it's another curtain. But what's going to be behind that? It could be anything. And they pull it and it's like, oh, another curtain. But 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 the mystery thickens. For now, what lies behind yet beyond another curtain? And uh, until you realize they pull they pull the last curtain and and it's uh it's um 
a different colored curtain and and it was about that different colored curtain all along ooh my metaphor got away from me but but it why why did they do that i liked margaret booth as as the the big bad everyone there were more characters. I guess, like, they didn't take that away. The camp counselors still hate Margaret Booth for killing them in the first place. But now there's a big bad. Like, if if they lift the blood curse of uh, Mrs. Jingles before they kill Margaret Booth, then, then the problems are solved. And who knows? Maybe even Margaret Booth's psychosis goes away when, when the, the curse is lifted. I have no idea how these things work. Those those are my thoughts and questions, and that concludes Mystery LLC. Now I get to move on to Screaming Themies. <laughs> so let's run through some of the themes that have been going on throughout the previous episodes, as well as this episode, but let's also talk about some of the new ones that haven't uh, raised their ugly faces until this episode. We've seen the theme of guilt. We've seen Redemption. We've seen revenge, just like in this episode with Mrs. Jingles vowing revenge on any counselors that dare step foot into Camp Redwood to punish them for the death of her boy. Revenge! We've seen the theme of promises, which is a form of revenge. It feels like the other side of the coin that is revenge. We've seen the theme of nature versus nurture and whether or not one is born evil and a lost cause or if uh, one is made evil by their circumstances. We can look at Mrs. Jingles here. Mm, There's a camp that could say she was born evil. She seemed to hate Benji before before Bobby died at uh, his negligence. So that's pretty evil to start. Then you could just as easily say that she became evil after Bobby died and she had no recourse but uh, to go insane with grief uh, without support. Maybe it's 1948. There was absolutely no hope for anybody with mental illness. Uh, no such thing as talking, just talking it out and, and feeling it and really grieving, maybe with a group if that's what you need. She was doomed. She was doomed the moment she saw that bloodied uh, uh, tarp. We've seen the theme of greed. We've seen the theme of debt, both monetary and metaphorical. And we've seen the theme of immortality. But now we've seen the theme of uh, legacy. Bruce, much like the Night Stalker, wants to be bigger than Bundy. He wants to uh, be immortal in a way that their name is never forgotten. In a the only kind of in tangible, the only kind of tangible immortality us mortals are uh, have access to within our reach is immortality beyond our time so that we are forever remembered this bruce fellow wants to be this bruce feller wants to be remembered bigger than bundy bundy of course is is one that god is like getting movies and tv shows made of him it's disgusting when they do that why are we glorifying it's pulp it's pulp and it always will be in uh legacy we also see all the ghosts (laughs) i'm gonna toot my horn for this one in a way All the ghosts in Camp Redwood are children of Mrs. Jingles. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sit on that for a little bit. 
all the ghosts are children of Mrs. Jingles. Let me unpack that. Mrs. Jingles, uh, that's, uh, Mr. Jingles' mother, <laughs> I don't know if that, of course that's obvious, had a son that she loved very, very, very much, and she lost that son. And also, there was Benji, <laughs> her other son. When she lost him, she went nuts, and she killed people. And little does she know that every person she killed lives on forever. I mean, in a way, as a ghost. Kind of like... Well, after she died, everyone she killed lived on as a ghost. None of the counselors she initially killed in 1948 live on as ghosts. They made it... They were just too late, just under the wire. But when I say children, I mean more of a, a metaphorical child in that they are reborn, quote-unquote, from their uh, mortal coil, from their earthly form, into these spirits that can live on forever and apparently get gored open. Like, Montana says something about, like, don't make me uh, slice you open again to Ray. Uh, yeah, because they still experience pain. They still experience pleasure. Ray was able to have sex with uh, Brooke to completion. So in a way, yes... Mrs. Jingles is dooming them to a fate worse than death, and she is rebirthing them into a new form of existence. One could say in a poetic sense that they are her children. I just wanted to throw that out there in case uh, any articles hadn't already been written about it, but I'm sure they have. How do people do that? How do people have articles written and posted, like, as soon as the episode airs? Do, do they just have, like, Mad Libs fill in the blanks for, for anything that happens, and, and they just have paragraphs that are pre-written and ready to go, and they just hover their mouse over the post or publish button? Uh... I have no idea how these things happen, but uh, I'm trying to get them as fast as I can, and I record them like uh, as soon as I watch them and then post them uh, so that they come out at midnight just because I like to. But, uh, man, these, these people are quick, and a lot of times they, they call out things that I had called out, which makes me feel good. But another uh, theme that we get here is the theme of, uh, I call it Family Matters. The child death, the revenge mass murder, the matricide, the infanticide, all of this family, uh, family elements, which on paper are supposed to be universally uh, relatable, that everyone has a mother or a motherly figure in their life, that when I say uh, your mother, you think of your mother when you think like, or, or when I say uh, the mother walks in, you're picturing like a, a version of your mother, uh, whether you like it or not. And the same goes for father, siblings, brothers. It's a thing that's commonly done in screenwriting is to make uh, the relationships universal in that way. But here, it's so toxic and so mean and so evil that it, it feels it feels like cartoonish sometimes with how mean and how spiteful she's being from us having just met her this episode. It's, it's like she always hated him, I guess, so it's just like boiling over. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's get to my favorite quote. I got two runner-ups, but my winner is a big winner. I'm sure you can guess it. My first runner-up is... You want to be liked? Do you? That's, of course, Mrs. Jingles talking to her child uh, while he's reading comic books and chastising him for it. Never, n If you're a parent out there, or even if you want to be a parent, I'm going to get on a soapbox right now and say never make fun of anything your child thinks is interesting. That's it. I don't want to get on that too long. 
Uh, the My second runner-up for favorite quote is, there's one place the 80s will never be over, and I'll take you there. I kind of paraphrase that, but then they smash cut to Roller Rink, <laughs> which I've never been to. It, sounds, it looks like a lot of fun. Which brings us to my number one favorite quote. The winner for this episode is, there's pine needles all over the men's room floor. Why don't you take that pendulum you call a dick and sweep up the mess? At least it'll be good for something. Ooh, Margaret Booth taking down Trevor's hog once again. It's like she's paid to, like it's on, like it's in style. <laughs> All right, now we got kills, kills, kills. Number one, Bobby. Poor Bobby. Poor, poor Bobby. Blended. <laughs> Number two, the highway cop got shot in the gut and then shot in the head. Bang, bang. The other driver got shot with a shotgun. These are both by Bruce. Bruce committed both of these murders. Number four, Kajaguku <laughs> uh, is, has his throat slit by the Night Stalker and his entire Torva slaughtered, which uh, all of which are counting as number five. And number six, the sixth and final kill is by Mr. Jingles on Mr. Jingles, by the Mr. Jingles, for the Mr. Jingles, and to the Mr. Jingles, whatever. Um, uh, Mr. Jingles kills himself. Which finally brings us to my uh, final segment, which is Theory Canal. I don't have too many theories left. We can talk about some of the ones that came true, such as uh, Brooke killing Montana, Mr. Jingles dying, but coming back to life, the time jump. I'm just showing off how how smart and predict how uh, correct all of my predictions were for this episode. Uh, last episode, the tug of war between the physical world and the metaphysical world through Billy Idol and Satan, respectively, is still going on for the Night Stalker. We'll see what happens there. He didn't seem to have any qualm with killing uh, Kaja Gugu, but uh, I imagine it might come to Billy Idol, and maybe Billy Idol signed a deal with the devil and the Night Stalker can't do it. He just can't bring himself to kill him. Uh, uh, there's a theory. <laughs> Still haven't learned the identity of Margaret Booth's mystery dead husband benefactor and whether or not she killed him to get all of his riches. And no one's really taken a shot at Margaret Booth yet, even though she's at the camp now and she's been there for a while. Montana's the one that says we got to wait until the festival so that it's a big spectacle. Lots of press. So that we can eventually move on or come back to life or whatever's going to happen. Anyway, I have one. I have two theories. My first theory is that we haven't seen the last of Bruce. I think that's obvious, like I said uh, before. And my second and final theory is that Bobby's return will lift the curse. And I think that's pretty obvious too. I'm not trying to reach uh, out of my comfort zone here. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, I mean, the, the show's wrapping up. How many more theories uh, could I have? Uh, yeah, I think like one of the final things that'll happen is that Bobby will somehow appear probably like in uh, all white uh and will come to his mother and they'll both move on together and then all the other ghosts will get to move on and uh brooke let's see yeah i think brooke will live i think the night stalker oh that'd be cool if it was the night stalker and brooke were the only ones left at the end of all of this madness and she finally kills him and takes it all back and oh no she goes to prison at the end that'd be fun but I want her to live, too. I want her to be happy. She's been through so much her whole life. She deserves to, to be happy, finally. 
And that's it. That's American Horror Story Episode 7. If I'm uh, right, I think next week will be the series finale. So uh, thanks for spending your Halloween. Thanks for spending some time with us here on the gory days. And whether you're going out trick-or-treating or you're staying at home and watching scary movies or you're going to a fancy party or you're going to a bar or you're going to an unfancy party or you're going to the gym or you're going to the moon... I hope you have a very, very happy Halloween out there from the gory days to you. Tell us what you think of American Horror Story. Uh, Tell us what you think of this episode or last episode or any of the movies we uh, talk about or I talk about uh, at the gory days on Instagram and Twitter. And you can email me at uh, thegorydayspodcast at gmail.com. That's three plus ways to get in contact. Otherwise, until next time, happy Halloween and stay scary out there. Have a gory days.